Well, but, but but real quick, Taco Bell is the Chef Boyardee of Mexican food. <laughs> yes, like, <laughs> Chef Boyardee has Italian food that no Italian restaurant has. I went to Olive Garden and ordered me some beefaroni. He ordered the beefaroni. No, no, no one has ever been to a nice Italian restaurant, any Italian restaurant, ordered beefaroni. But, but, but not even at the Sabaro. <laughs> no, yeah, Sabaro. It's, yeah, uh, but anyway, so the Mexi pizza, like you don't show up. You don't go to like they Juarez do. or someplace in Mexico and walk into a, you know. Well, there's other things bought in Juarez besides Mexican. That's right. You don't even you don't even go to the Mexican grocery store here in Union City and no. ask for and ask for a Mexi pizza anyway. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jody, and I'm Jeremy, and you're like Abigail all of a sudden. Like when she was on, she's like, "Hey, everybody!" I just so can I just be me and be you not you. pick at me? I'm sorry. No. Welcome to our podcast. In real life, this is who we are. That's I right. do something. Jeremy makes fun oh. of it. And begin. I'm the worst husband ever. Yeah, that's not what I'm going to say. We are going to talk about friendships and how that works between us and how it works between people outside of the two of us. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because as a kid, you're taught about making friends and you never think it's going to be hard. And, and, you know, we've made friends in a bunch of different places. Um, but one of the things that being a pastor and a pastor's family does is it makes um, it makes having friendships kind of difficult and... Um, and if you're not careful, you kind of live you kind of live isolated for you know for periods of time, right? We probably um, overanalyze relationships as well, and, and observe them through paranoia, and observe them yeah. through um, a little bit of um, I guess I don't want to say fear, just that whole idea of we we want to we want to be cautious about who we trust, and we want to be cautious about who we put in that predicament because we not only are inviting you into um a trusting friendship but we're inviting you into the chaos that is a, a, a ministry family yeah that's incredibly right i think what now has turned into the ministry paranoia is if i let them know me will they really love me well i think that's the key for all of it right this yeah. idea to be known fully and to be fully known is something that is our greatest um desire i think mm-hmm. on this earth a lot of times and it's also one of our biggest fears yeah. um, that we have, that if someone really fully knows me, then they'll reject me. And, um, and whether we like it or not, there's a lot that kind of comes with, uh, with being in the ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, we sometimes, ministers move sometimes a lot, yes. which means we're like the new kid in school all the time. Yes. Which means sometimes that people are afraid to get close to us on the other end because right. we'll, we'll, we'll be gone before too terribly long in some cases. Um, not that we as the Powells ever feel like. No, but we see it in trans. Like even this year, um, Emma has watched a, a fellow minister's kid move because their their dad um, took a job in another area, and so you know she knew that person for a short time, and they moved on, and and so um, we know it's it's always possible because we um, we want to be obedient to. We want to be obedient to the call, and if the call yeah. calls us somewhere else, you know, like we moved to Alabama thinking that was forever because we were near a set of grandparents and stuff, and God said, nope, moving on. Yeah. So we just have to be attentive to that, and and that yeah. may also be why we're guarded because we're afraid to invest in someone to only have to pick up and leave. Sure. Now, I think one of the things that, that if you're a pastor or a pastor's family that's listening to this, 
um, somebody that's in the ministry, I think one of the things that uh, happens to us is uh, when I was in seminary, um, both explicitly and implicitly, both out loud people said it, and then also they implied it that uh, we have to be very intentional about setting up some barriers between us and the members of our congregation. Right. So so what they taught us, and, and stick with me, I hope that no one cuts off the podcast right there because they wouldn't hear the rest of this. That what we're taught is that is that you know you can't let people in too close because if they really know you and if they really are fully known by you and are known by you fully, that then you wouldn't be able to lead them appropriately. So, yeah, would they still listen? That's right. So if they knew about the struggles you and your wife were having, if they knew about the struggles you have with your kids if they knew about your struggles financially or about the depression you were battling or whatever it may be, like, could you stand up on Sunday morning and preach to them? It's a little bit like we talked about the other day, Jody, when you know, you have to sit on the front row and listen to me talk um, about certain things. And I, I didn't skip today because I was not wanting to listen to you. I, no, it, I'm a it's sick okay. kid. <laughs> yeah, no, you skipped today and last night. It's okay. That's all right. Anyway. Um, loser. Yeah, and so they, 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 I remember being in seminary and, and them telling us that. And um, it really took me just a little while to kind of think, man, that's some terrible teaching. Mm. Um, because what that does is that sets ministers' families up for isolation. Um, and, and here's one of the things that we do. And I, I would also say it almost sets you up for failure. Because right. you're going to go 10, 15 years into this isolated and you just snap and can't do ministry anymore. Yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, I, I, at some point, maybe in a later podcast, we're going to talk about the, the, the minister's dilemma um, and uh, and kind of what kind of comes from that, and, and maybe that's appropriate in this one, maybe it isn't. But um, one of the things that we do is we stand on stage a lot of times, and we say to the congregation, you need to be involved in community, you need to be doing life with other people, you need to be being known and fully known by other people. And then we as ministers go, well, that's true for the congregation, mm-hmm. but it's not true for me. And I think that's so incredibly dangerous. Yes. Yeah. And so what, what What I've always sought to do is kind of tear down that wall. Um, in fact, when we were in Alabama, we, we did something very symbolic. We did very something very literal. Do you remember? Do you, do you even remember what we did? So when I was the pastor at First Baptist Hayden, when I first came on the scene there, we had a big, massive wooden pulpit that oh. was on the stage. And, yes. and what that pulpit does is it, is, is it provides me a place to put my Bible. But, but the other thing <laughs> that it does is it provides a barrier, like a real physical barrier. It's a symbol yeah. of uh, a, a separation between a, a group of people or a yeah. person and another group of people. That's exactly right. And so I, I was hired in August, and in Christmas, at Christmas, we started uh, kind of experimenting with moving the pulpit out. Well, you moved it out for Christmas decor, and and what we did was we kind of we kind of said hey th- this is a physical move like we're literally changing the way that our our, our sanctuary looks but there's also a very symbolic move here and we're just going to remove this pulpit and we're going to say if you if you can't deal with a pastor that's going to be real if you can't deal with a pastor that needs the congregation as much as the congregation needs him if you can't deal with a pastor that needs community as much as the people in the congregation need community then 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 you don't need me I think that's been um purposeful and and um i guess um impactful for for our ministry and we of course we've seen other ministry families do this too but i think just something as simple as that makes us more approachable um and so for me joe i think it's kind of important that we kind of talk about this for just a minute because for me 
um, what's at the heart, what's at driving this in pastors and in pastors' families. And if you're listening and you're not a pastor's family, you need to understand your pastor on some level is going through this. Um, and it's something that that we've talked about before, and I, and I didn't come up with it on my own. I've adopted this from, from some other stuff. The pastor has been um, given uh, a set of skills or given a set of abilities um, or given a giftedness by the Spirit that puts him in unusual circumstances. Right. Meaning that we get to be put on stages, we're handed microphones every week when we speak or, or deliver a sermon, and, and whether that's we're talking to um, you know, 400 or, or 4,000 or 40 people, or whether it's just our student ministry on, on Wednesday nights, we're putting a piece of ourselves mm-hmm. out there. And, and the reason we get that platform is because we're gifted in that way. Right. Um, and in most churches, just the reality is, is the reason that, that someone is allowed on the stage with a microphone is not necessarily because they're the closest to God. It's because maybe they're just the best communicator that's there. Which is, a, which is a, a mistake that I think a lot of churches make. But because we're put in in this situation, we're, we're given abnormal circumstances that a normal human being doesn't have to be put in. Does that make sense? Sure. So as a result, we're, we have expectations that are put on us. We've talked about this a little bit. Expectations, some that other people put on us, some that we put on ourselves. The expectation be omnipresent, to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, You're always on the clock. Somebody's in the hospital. Somebody wants us to be. Somebody misses church for a little while. We're expected to notice and be there, like we're supposed to be omniscient. I'm supposed to remember everybody's name and everybody's story and everybody's kids' names and all of those things. I'm birthdays. Birthdays. I'm supposed to be all powerful, gifted in every way. I have to lead, be hospitable. I have to be able to teach. I have to have a gift of of organization and administration, and I have to always know the right words. And um, with you, you have a little bit of technical skills. That's too. right, tech skills. I got to learn it marketing and business and computers like there's there's all kinds of things and these abnormal circumstances lead to abnormal levels of stress absolutely and 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 when those abnormal levels of stress get unchecked and we don't know how to manage those then then what that happens is is that unchecked stress leads to things like stress anxiety depression addictions strained relationships Mm -hmm. self-medicating behavior um all sorts of of other things unhealthy coping that that plunges you kind of deeper into sin and in isolation, mm-hmm. and all of those things kill ministry. And so, mm-hmm. just like in Miles's artist dilemma, in the pastor's dilemma, the gifts we've been given are specifically designed to put us in circumstances that will kill our ability to do the task that God has given us. And so, one of the ways that I think we fight that, one of the ways that I think we have to kind of kind of get after that, is to engage in real, authentic community as pastors. Um, but as we've been talking about, that can be just incredibly difficult and in fact in some ministry settings we're even taught not to do that just like I was taught not to do that in seminary right because you're putting yourself on the line of vulnerability and um, and uh, job security um, yeah, and, I, and I think that's one of the things that probably still I have to be very careful about not being paranoid about that but like if I say x in front of this person um, is it going to get is it going to get plastered all over social media or something? And I don't mean things like gossip. I mean, like, what if I say that, um, you know, green beans are disgusting, and then someone turns around <laughs> and says that, did you know that the pastor's wife doesn't like so-and-so's green bean casserole? Right. And da 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 and it's- well, let's, let's just be really real. I mean, let's, let's use a real live example. I mean, let's say that I have a friend, I have a friend that is a banker, and let's say that, that he um, uh, is having trouble in his marriage. For, for whatever reason, right? Let's say that um, 
and I have a friend that's a banker, and if you know that I have a friend that's a banker, he's not having trouble with his marriage. I'm just using it as an example, <laughs> but like, let's say I have a friend that's I a gave banker. Gave him the eye. <laughs> that's right. I have a friend that's a banker, and, and he's having trouble in his marriage, and I don't know what it may be. Like, you could pick up with anything. She, she may have had an emotional affair with somebody. She may have a physical affair with somebody. Like, he may have had an emotional affair with somebody. There, there may be something there. In the ministry, there are qualifications that we have, and they may or may not disqualify us, you know, our problems, our struggle in our marriage may or may not disqualify. For my banker friend, he, he goes to counseling, and he gets help, and he could even go to his boss and say, I'm having trouble at home. And as long as it doesn't affect his job, uh, he keeps his job. Mm-hmm. But for those of us in the ministry, if I have a problem in my marriage, there could be individuals in our church that say, that disqualifies me. Whether right. it does disqualify me or not. Right. If I have trouble with my kids, right. most cases, I, I don't lose my job. But if I'm a minister, there's a chance right. that I could lose my job. If I don't manage my finances well, there's a chance my job could be at stake. Right. And so the fear is, man, who can I trust with that information? Who can I really talk to about that and not risk the way that I provide for my family, not risk... My medical insurance, not risk, um, all of those things. My career, right? Um, over just for what for a normal family would be just a normal struggle. For us, could be career ending. Well, you know, anything you disclose too can um, also affect credibility and um, the the effects and the success of your ministry. Because if one person views it differently or views it um, um, questioning then, you know, you could have half the church leave because sure. they decide that that's sure. not something they are okay with. Yeah. And so what I've seen happen over and over and over again, not just with pastors, but with people that work in the ministry, with people that have key volunteer roles in the church, is that they just don't tell anybody. No. They, they're just not honest with anybody. They're not fully known by anybody. And as a result, it, as a result they either plunge deeper into sin and, and lead a congregation to a healthier, unhealthier place, or their marriage falls apart or their family falls apart. And what we've seen also, um, so two things I want to cover. One, um, friendships before ministry. Sure. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But what I've seen as another struggle is um, minister families to minister families. Um, even in that case, um, Jeremy has had an amazing opportunity to connect with some um, other people in the ministry and their families. Some he's mentored, some that have mentored him. Um, and those um, those relationships have been um, amazing because God has um, blessed them and they've been able to communicate with each other and they've been able to disclose things with each other and be kind to one another and understanding and, and true friendships have been there. But there are other times where we've seen um, ministers um, almost view each other as competition. Yeah. I can't tell you that I'm struggling because I want my church to be better yeah. than your church and I want my congregation. Right. Don't I don't want to lose anybody to you, so I'm not about to tell you who I really yeah. am and what I'm really doing. Yeah, and I think for us to battle the competition between other pastors, I think we have to kind of start getting honest about, about really what's driving it. Right. For me, I, I start thinking about when when I start feeling a little bit competitive with other pastors... Um, for Jeremy, what it is, is, is it's, it's about my job is related to, and, and the people that I've hired in my church, their jobs are related to the number of people that show up on Sunday morning and the amount of money that they give. At the end of the day, that's, that's what it boils down to. And that's right. so sad because if, if we're not, if, if people don't come, then we don't, we can't justify having the, set, the size staff we have. Right. And and I can't pay them if we don't have money that comes in. So every time someone leaves my church and goes to another church, 
that, that even though that, that I shouldn't be competitive about that. In a business mindset, it alters the budget. It alters, and if, and 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 I'm just being honest. Like that's, no, that's true. I think I think that that that's one of the reasons there's a lot of competition between churches. It's not because I think that's that the church down the street isn't doing good work. And you know, sadly, those should be your allies. You should be able to call up your pastor yes. and say. Hey, we're having trouble with volunteers, or we're struggling with how to approach um, Easter services, or stuff like that. But then it ends up being, well, we're doing this, and it's going to be better, you know. Yeah. So, and, and that's where I feel like, man, if we could figure out how to stop counting and 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 funding things, mm-hmm. right? If we could figure out if we could figure out the nickels and the noses part of it, then I think you would see a lot of competition just go away, um, because at that point, it becomes all about ego. Yeah, the only competition is about ego. But that, but that's regardless of that. I think. If we're going to talk about friendships, we're going to talk about building community, I think the, 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 the things that are going to be important, Joe, are like why we struggle, which we've kind of talked about that. But then right. how do we overcome that? How do we so, overcome those struggles? So why I went into the um, pastoral competition is the, the idea of, the, you know, those are people, the first thought would be those are who you could reach out to to establish a friendship with. And then there's still the struggle there. Um, um, our most successful um, adventures. Um, we're still growing, and God is still blessing us. And we've—I I, I will not lie and say that Jeremy and I have had it much easier establishing friendships oh, than yeah. most pastors that I've rubbed elbows with. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, I, I do remember a pastoral family that led my home church growing up, and I don't know who they hung out with. Yeah. Like, it—it it, it made me sad, and I was often concerned about that. Like, who? Who do they go to dinner with, and who do they, um, you know, talk about? And, and, and so that that hurt me for them because um, I was I was acutely aware of it. Um, but Jeremy and I had the opportunity. We talked about kind of um, our friendships that we established when we were in when we started life together in Texas. Um, we had friends in Kentucky where marriage began, <laughs> but but it was hard yeah, because they was, were my friends. Yes. Kentucky was my hometown. So these were my friends, and then you, well, and most of them were single. So and yeah, and, and you came along, and then you, I ruined it. <laughs> you didn't ruin anything, but it was, but it was not the same, right? These right. were not friends that we developed together. These were friends that I'd had right. since grade school, some of them, and uh, and and you came in, and they loved you, and you loved oh, them. Oh, I but, still do love them. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same. When we went to Texas. Um, we went at that, and, and there was no like it was it. You and I mm-hmm. were it. And we scout. didn't know anybody there in our little dog scout. That was anyway <laughs> another day. Yeah, um, and so and, and so you were really important. Like you, you said when we joined a church, we want to be a part of a small group, and it just didn't. I was like, whatever, I don't care. I'm here to get an education. I'm here to serve in a church. I don't need friends. And you push for that. You push for that. Why'd you push for that? I'm. I know it's important. I knew that we were um, hundreds of miles and hours away from anybody that um, could be an ally for us and I wanted to I wanted to grow in my faith and I wanted to perhaps find somebody who was also going to be a minister's wife who I could um, communicate with and learn through and experience this change with and I just knew it was it, it wasn't just you that was here to learn it was me that was here to learn as well and and our friendships we made like we we've talked about like small groups slash Sunday school that we connected with families with and and what was neat about it was Obviously, our Sunday school class, our, our small group was composed of a lot of seminary students, but there were also young professionals and stuff too. So um, everybody was seen 
the same. We were all newly married or, and some of them just started approaching the whole let's introduce kids into the circle. And so it was, we were all on the same page of life, all living in rental apartments and, you know, it it was so, it worked out so well for us and and we just kind of fell into it. Praise God. But yeah, the first time that we ever attended, uh, we had a Sunday school department that had a number of classes in it. And one of the first times we ever attended, uh, a new class was forming. So what I think was important about this for you, Jeremy, was that you made friends before you were their minister. That's right. And that was easier than you being their pastor and trying. So that, that friendship was already there before right. you became their right. pastor. Yeah. So these were guys that, um, you know, Zach, Clay, Ryan, these were guys that, um, well, Ryan worked at our church, uh, but... Um, but he needed our friendship yeah. too because he was he was in the um, Ryan and I were both in seminary. Zach and Clay were engineers, and um, and we started playing out and uh, playing and and really the thing that that, that drew us together initially was video games. Like <laughs> we played college football on on various gaming consoles and all the this was so cool and I I, I feel like we should reinvent this. Bit. Go ahead. Um, all the guys I always thought this was great. I mean, I've always pushed this for Jeremy. Um, I think. I think girl time and guy time is essential to to your marriage. Like, go have some time with the girls, get away for a little while, go have some time with the guys. And every Sunday afternoon, the guys would go up to the school I taught at, and they would play football. <laughs> That's right. And it was so cute because they're it wasn't like, "Cute, this was." This was a war. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like you guys took it so okay, yeah. personal. And- so so we we would go up. So before I was on staff at a church, we were all just friends. And our church that we were at uh, moved to a Saturday night service, and our entire Sunday school department went to Saturday night, which makes it not Sunday school anymore. But we went to went to Saturday night school or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. and um, and that meant now we had some free time on Sunday morning. And so we'd get together on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. and we'd go to a local middle school football field, and we would play. With no pads, no helmet, but we would play tackle football. Yes. Um, I don't know how any of us didn't die. I think you had a couple of injuries. We but... had some. I think we had a concussion. <laughs> um, but but the, the, my favorite story, my favorite story, bar none. Do you remember this? Yes. So we were good, good friends with uh, with Clay and Zach and Ryan. And Ryan, uh, he couldn't participate in this because he actually was, had a church job he, he at the time. Serve on Sunday um, mornings. But <laughs> but we. Uh, we were playing football, and um, and I never was what you'd call a big guy, and um, and of course Zach is huge. Um, he's six four. And Craig and, and Craig Barngrover was huge. He was a college wrestler. Yes. Um, and uh, and Clay uh, was you know he wasn't an overly large guy, but he was a bit compared to me. Right? right. And um and so the only thing that I had was quickness. I had like a little bit of a juke in me, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I was playing receiver, and they threw the ball to me, and I caught it. And I put a little, Clay was guarding me. I put a little juke on Clay and I went around him and he grabbed my shirt. And so like, I'm, I'm like, you ever watch like the Scooby-Doo movies <laughs> where like somebody's holding on to, you know, Shaggy's shirt or whatever and his legs are just spinning. That's what it was like for a minute. And Clay planted his feet and threw me, <laughs> like threw me. And, and this is where like. I don't know, it wasn't a bravado thing or like a masculine thing, but like I got mad. And you just, in the moment, you just don't think. And, uh, and I jumped up after he threw me down. I jumped up and I just chunked the ball at him. Like, and I probably missed because, you know, I, I don't know. And, um, and there was a, a verbal altercation there. Like, what are you doing? He was like, I'm just tackling, you know, guys, you know. And, um, and, and then like, and then all of a sudden, like the game was over. 
That's, that's exactly how I, I remember y'all coming in, and it was like, uh-oh. And I came in, and I came in, and I was distraught, and I was like, I just cannot, I cannot believe. And I tried calling Clay, and he didn't answer. And um, <laughs> the, the problem was because he, I think he was in the shower. <laughs> and so Clay didn't think another thing about it, as far as I know. And so, like, Clay, do you even remember that? I went, I went over to the house, and I think I apologized to him, and he was like, oh, it's okay. You know, and, and we were fine, but, like, gosh. And then there was another time we were playing football where Zach, we had running plays. Like, we were tackle football. Yes. I was playing safety, uh, which is kind of a defender that's kind of back a little bit. And Zach gets the ball. Zach is 6'4", over 200 pounds. He's two of me. Um, and, 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 and Zach busts through the line. And all of a sudden, he's wide, like he's running to the end zone. And the only thing between him and the end zone is me. <laughs> and he sees me. He turns his head and he sees me. And his eyes light up. And he changes his direction and begins running directly at me. <laughs> And I turned around and ran the other way. Anyway, the, this was this was kind of the things that we did, and um, and, and then, those built friendships. Oh my gosh! And y'all have memories. Absolutely. So. And and then um, we were standing in Sunday school on a Saturday night. I'll never forget it in big group time. And um, our minister of education, our associate pastor for Christian education, Chris Shirley, walked Chris. in, and he said, uh, "Hey, we have a position we want to hire a young adult pastor here at the church." It'd be a part-time position. If anybody's interested, you, you need to give me a resume. And we went home that night, and you said, uh, said, Jeremy, I think you need to put your resume in. I said, I do too. And I handed Chris a resume, and they hired me. Yes. And all of a sudden, I went from being just a regular old guy that taught Sunday school uh, in the church to now being on staff. Yes. And those friendships never changed. Um, no, and that was good. And they didn't, they didn't, it wasn't that they didn't have respect for me. They always had respect for me. Right. And, and I for them. And I think that was so, so, so incredibly important. We needed important. that. We needed that. We were blessed for that because yeah. it taught us, it taught us that you can be friends and you can have community with people that you minister mm-hmm. with and for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I think a lot of pastors miss. Yes. And well, uh, you know, not everyone has the opportunity, you know, Specific, we we went in ministry in the place where we first were at school, and most of these pastors that were leaving seminary or um, moved off and had to start from scratch. So the idea of making and connecting with friendships was going to have to be the people they met saw them immediately as their pastor, That's right. not as a, a, a peer. That's right, and 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 I think you know, you know, it's they see you as your pastor, and you get a title. Right. You you walk on the scene and your brother Jeremy. Right. Or sister Jody or whatever and it is. Just so y'all know, Jeremy's always loathed oh, that title. Please don't gracious. call him brother Jeremy. We were talking about this. I was talking about this with, with a, a youth pastor friend of mine that is a youth pastor at another church this weekend and he said uh, he said, Man, when I introduce you, like, is it brother Jeremy or Pastor Jeremy? And I was like, How about just Jeremy? And he was like, Yeah, I feel the same way, man. Like Just Jeremy. And what gets me is when people like when my staff calls me brother Jeremy. And, and they don't intentionally do it. Normally, it's like... Matt doesn't do that, does he? No, Matt doesn't do that. <laughs> Matt's, that. Matt's never called anybody Brother Jerry, but, uh, or Brother anybody. But, uh, but like, I've, Courtney's done it. Um, Hunter's done it. Um, you know, and it's not, like, a super intentional kind of thing. It's just they're, they're making an announcement or they're praying... And they're just like, please be with, uh, and they can't, they feel like they just can't say Jeremy. Like, they have to give a title. We should come up with another alter name. Like Reverend Doctor Bishop. You gotta get your doctorate. When are you gonna start on that? Reverend Doctor Bishop. Bishop. So, 
Um, regardless, I don't know, elder. Uh, so Friar. Yeah. And uh, and there, there's nothing against, I understand where the titles come from and why people want to call titles. But for me, I just feel like it's another thing that separates us. Mm. Um, one of the things that I learned very early on when I was in college um, was that, uh, that, that we as pastors are just beggars trying to tell other beggars where to get some bread. Yes. And that's how we went into singles ministry, I think, and that's what was so impactful was... I feel like the <laughs> I feel like the singles connected with us because they saw us as we were just yeah. people trying to tell them where to go to. Well, and and what was I a struggle? Them. What was a struggle with our singles ministry is is what percentage of my singles ministry was seminary students? Um, about sixty. Yeah, so sixty or seventy percent of our singles ministry is seminary students, and I'm a seminary student. Right. So like you passed them on the I'm campus. I'm pastoring. I'm pastoring people that I'm sitting next to in Greek class. Right. You know, and and it was it was one of those things where I think there wasn't a sense of I am more holy than you or know more about scripture than you. Like we were all in this together. I and mean, that's how we always see it. Not, oh my gosh! And right. it was such a great blessing for us. Um, and and then. You know, we we moved from Texas mm-hmm. over to Alabama, and creating friendships was a little harder there. It was, um, which we did, were surprised at because we moved back to a town just next to the town I grew up in. So we thought um, we'll probably reconnect with some of my high school friends, and maybe even connect with some people from Sanford because there were some still living in the area. Because sure. we both went to Sanford in Birmingham, and so um, you know, and then we thought surely. <coughs> In a church this size, we'll find people on the same page of life we were on. And we did. And we did. And there were people that were very genuine and heartfelt. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but we, no offense to you guys, but Jeremy and I just struggled. We struggled with being transparent. No, absolutely. We struggled with um, being vulnerable. We struggled. Um, and, and before I go any farther, I, I want to make sure that, that our friends from Hayden understand this. Yeah. This was not a Hayden issue. This nope. was a Jeremy Jody issue. Yes. Um, and and we, were, we were young. We were in our late 20s. Um, I was pastoring a church for the very first time. We didn't quite know what our role was. We didn't right. quite know what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. And truthfully, backstory, we, we go back to the paintball story. Like, yeah. I don't think we realized how much that rocked us. Yeah. And, um, oh, I, know, I had no idea how no, much that we, rocked This us. is reflecting. So we probably put our guard up even more right. after that. And, and, and so we had some people. like like, And, I, and I'll even give some numbers. You know, we had folks like George and Kristen... You know, we had folks who are in the throes of ministry themselves. Right. We now. we had we had folks like you know like Jeremy and Wendy at one point, or mm-hmm. Ken and Cindy. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some folks like Anthony and Dana. We had some folks that were willing to step in and say, "I can be that for you." Yeah. And and I think so many of them tried so hard, and we were just cautious. We didn't know how to do it. Right. And there was the struggle that we had, even where you know, like we we're trying to develop intimacy and friendships with people that are there and. And then, and then in the middle of all of that, they'll turn around and they'll call me Brother Jeremy. Yeah, that was probably one of the and it just that and you just kind of go, oh mm-hmm. man, they don't. That's not it. No, that's not what we're looking for. And and Jody, you and I struggled, and that was not that was not a Hayden issue. There nope. were so many, even more than I named, so many more <laughs> yes. than I named that were willing to come in and and be that safety for us. Right. And we couldn't let them. It was so incredibly well, difficult. Well, I think... I At least not for the first five years or so. I don't know that... I don't know it was could be helped um, because so many people that we connected with were... Um, so it was a small town and, and they were related to everybody. And so... Um, <laughs> just like in every small town. Yeah, just like the one we're in now. That's right. Um, and, and we... I think there was just that 
subconscious fear of we can't put them in this spot of being transparent with them because there's too many other people they have to face on a daily basis and, and we don't want them to have to carry yeah. our burdens and our struggles and our fears and and yeah. um and so we were just we were just quiet and, and I even had there was even a uh, there was even a family and and he was a pastor's kid and you know Chris and Sophie and yeah and they they were so well like I remember having conversations with Chris and he would go I understand yes like I, I get it yes and and even in the middle of that it was just so it was just so not easy I, I really do I think we 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 went into it with a Hey, this is our first gig at the at the lead role, and yeah. we don't want to screw it up, and we don't want to screw anybody else up, and put them in a position where they are, yeah. um, you know, they're we don't want them to have to carry our our worries and our anxieties, yeah. and uh, and we we participated in small groups. We yeah. were in several small groups, yeah. so we we uh, um, invested in community and and um, <laughs> um, and we had some great we connections. We had some great connections, um, yeah, and some um, great friends that we could still consider friends. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's just we um, we I think we hit a lot. Like that first year of me being at home, I don't think everybody realized how hard yeah. that was for me because I couldn't tell them because they thought it was. Yeah. Thought I was weird. Early on, it was hard. I think the longer we were there, the easier it got. Sure. And um, I made some great friends at work too. So, and yeah. they, none of them were apart because they all lived in other communities. Yeah. Uh, or, but but the longer we were there, I think the easier it got for us to be vulnerable, to have people in our home, uh-huh. and to and to to open up and to say, "Here's the struggle." And so, um, you know, we had a cool house. We had a great house, and and so uh, I think we kind of developed that, but. Really, what what we searched for, what we longed for, and what we really needed—the uh, reason we didn't experience that—I think very well in Alabama was our fault. Oh yeah, no. I, again, if you're listening to this and you're from that, we we own it. We know that we could have probably been a little bit more transparent, and we could have given um, a better opportunity. Yeah. We just didn't want to put anybody in that um, yeah. in our chaos. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. As much as we knew we needed community. We told one family when we were praying about leaving. We told one family. Uh-huh. And um and to watch how it affected them, we like, yep, we, we just can't it was can't, yeah. Couldn't do this. Yeah. So Oh man. Yeah. So uh when we came here to Union City, we didn't quite know what to expect. Right. So we came in with the now yes and no. So when we came in view of a call um, God knew my heart was broken for how I had not allowed friendships to develop and how much I needed what I had in Texas. Um, my 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 Texas experience wasn't just that um, we had couple friends, but I initiated and and, and pursued uh, a close knit group with women, and and um, we started a, a small group, and I, I invited a couple of girls just to be a part of my Bible study and. Um, to go and, and pursue God in a deeper level. And those that's my gaggle. Um, we call each other that. And um, we all are still tight and try to do girls weekends at least once a year. Um, and, um, and that was God that took care of that. And I just never had that in Alabama. And I was like, okay, I can't. I need that to survive. And so God, God knew that was on my heart. And we came here in view of a call, um, and I knew no one, of course, because yeah, yeah. we didn't even know where Union City was. And this lovely young lady plopped down next to me at one of our first um, eating events and said, hello, I'm Jamie, and I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny you talk about her as well. Uh, 
because my first time ever meeting the elders of our church, other than at 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 like when we came to Union City to preach for the very first time, I met all the elders, and then they scheduled another meeting in Columbia, Tennessee, and and the goal was to drive up on a Friday, if I'm not mistaken, yes, and spend the night, and then on Saturday get up, and um. Because you had to get back for Emma's... It was a softball tournament. No, it was gymnastics. Okay, whatever. But regardless, uh, we're there, and and the elders said to me, hey, like, if you want to have your own hotel room, you can have your own hotel room. If you want a room with somebody, you can. (laughs) Which is kind of a weird weird kind of request. And I was like, whatever's easiest. And and so they stuck Tommy Gurley in the room with me. They did not know what they were doing. Oh my gosh! Sorry, and Tommy. so Jamie, Jamie, who sat down, was Tommy's wife, and it Isn't just kind of happened cool. that way. And uh, and so Tommy will tell you, you know, on the first time we ever met each other, we shared a room together, uh, which is a little creepy <laughs> and a little weird. Um, but one of the things that uh, that that I think that that we were kind of forced into in Union City was we were kind of forced into some friendships. Uh, we had some people that pursued us and were relentless about it and wouldn't let up. Yeah, like um, I, Tommy and Jamie were stuck with us in our chaos because within the first three weeks of being here, Jamie had to hug me through the loss of our first dog, our, oh, yeah. our dog here. Because um, here's like we'll get into more Powell stories and oh, how insane our life is. But so we moved to Alabama with a Schnauzer named Barney. Barney, he was the best dog, and within. Three weeks of us living there, my dad kindly took him out for a walk, and he ran right in front of an 18-wheeler. Like, I watched it with my own eyes. Oh, my goodness. Barney Um, Barney was a city dog (laughs) that moved to the country. There are too many smells, too many things to see. he was so excited. And he, and and your dad took him out, not on a leash, and murdered our dog, is the way that (laughs) it... Say that your, your you dad. That. No, your, no, I said it. Your dad and your uh, dad would tell us, and your dad has no zero remorse for that. I think he has a little. I don't think so, and I'm cool with. It. I mean, I'm not upset with your dad about it. But I'm cool with it. So, so we bought another schnauzer, and his name was Perry, Perry. because we love Phineas and Ferb. Perry, Perry the platypus. Perry the platypus, and Perry had some alpha dog issues, and we'll like we could do a whole podcast of the life of just Perry. Perry. Oh gosh, like dog had to be sedated just to get groomed. That's true. <laughs> That's a true <laughs> um, statement. So we moved to. Um, um, moved here to Union City with Perry, and um, his first day here, he goes home with somebody else and stays he in the storm home with shelter. Else. We moved to Union City. <laughs> Thank you, Joey. Yeah, I'm going to take a little pause because we have to tell the story. <laughs> That's another podcast. We can't just pause no, and tell that story. I, I want to pause and tell the story. We can cut it out, but here's what I okay. want. I want to tell. <laughs> When we moved to Union City, we had we had the entire food chain in the back <laughs> of our van. We had a we had a chinchilla. Yes. Chili. And we had a cat. We almost left. Oreo. We tried really hard. Listen, Debbie Locke got this cat to go into a carrier. The the the, the so first he got into a fabric carrier and tore his way out. <laughs> right. So we put we put the cat in a car- like Jody's trying to put the cat in a carrier and the cat like ripped her shirt. <laughs> he did. And, and escaped. It's a brand new shirt. And I looked at Jody. Listen, some of y'all are cat people and it's okay. Um, God loves you anyway. <laughs> but cat cats. I'm like I didn't want a cat in the first place. We got this cat Oreo, and we and the cat runs off into the woods. <laughs> 
in, in rural Alabama escape, escape. at this lake that we lived. And I looked at Jody and I said, we tried. <laughs> like that was, those are the words I used. We tried. We can look at our kids and we can say, guys, I'm sorry. We can't. Or we ran away. We can't find him. He we wanted to stay. We tried. And so we're getting ready to leave. And, and one of the volunteers that came from Union City, Debbie, she found the cat. And she gets the cat in the carrier. And I'm like, great. So we have chinchilla. We have Oreo the cat. In the in the in the uh, back, and then we have Perry the dog. So chinchilla, cat, and dog. We do. We get to, we we pull into Union City. It's it's been raining, and uh, first thing I do is I get stuck. Oh yeah. And I love and I'm that. I'm hauling a trailer, and you've got the van, and there's a whole team of people unloading stuff in our house, and and getting all of that kind of done. And I take the carrier with the cat out back to the back of the house. I'm just going to let the cat loose. Now, our first house was in a soybean field. Yes, literally. That is not an <laughs> like exaggeration. we had an acre that was mowed. Not and, even. And, and, and the soybeans began. Oh, my gosh. It was it was a house in the middle of a soybean field that had a possum that lived under the house and wasps <laughs> that had infected, like infested and the entire bugs. outside. Anyway, regardless. Uh, so, I opened the carrier door with the cat, and the cat, gone. Like, I mean, like, starts moving and does not stop. Doesn't even look back. Out into the field, we out. Again, I look at Jody and went, we brought the cat. We tried. Like, we've done all that we can do um, at this point. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, and so we start to unload, and all of a sudden, it starts to storm. There's a storm coming. Yeah. But not just any kind of storm. I mean, there's a tornado. Like the rain we've had in the past few weeks in Union City. Yeah, like that. There's a tornado, and it is bearing down on our new house <laughs> right I'm not making this up people start bailing <laughs> like we we are at this house we just we are an hour at being Union City residents and we have members of our new church that have come to help us unpack who are saying we're out hey guys uh, <laughs> tornado tornado is on its way here we're not going to be here when it gets here see y'all good luck and they're like, welcome. My friend Dylan, my friend Dylan says, I think if I go 30 minutes south, I'll be all right. I'm just going to get in my car and just drive 30 minutes south. Hunter did that too. Hunter did the same thing. Yeah. They just get in their car and they just go. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so like, <laughs> where are we, we going? We move the kids into the hallway. Like there's some kid. And, and I'm looking at Steve, who's one of my elders. And I go, Steve, what do you do? He's like, well, I don't really know. You know, and so I'm, so I'm just kind of, I'm leaning on Steve. I'm like Steve, and Steve says it's time to go. It's time to go, Joey. No, he hadn't left yet. Joey was still there, and so finally Steve says he looks at me. I'll never forget it. He looks at me and he goes, "We should go." Like that's <laughs> like that's what he says. And I'm like, okay. And so like I swoop up some kids and we run and we get in the van. I can remember the terror on Emma's face. Like yeah. it was just, we get in the van and we don't think about our pets. <laughs> The cat's in the middle of a soybean field. The chinchilla, the chinchilla was. Who knows where the chinchilla is, right? Um, and and uh, <laughs> and and then Perry. I'm just like Perry. Is, Perry can fend for himself. <laughs> He's in the house somewhere. Okay. And we get in our van, and Joe, we don't know where we are. We just take off. We just we just and so we, we use just the, drive the, the um, compass in the car. That's right. Somewhere along the way, we we hook up with Hunter. Like somewhere way south of town, and we get a phone call from from another one of our elders, Joey, who says, "I've got a storm shelter at my house, and I'm in it, and and we I have, have your dog, <laughs> we have your Perry." They had grabbed Perry and and taken him to the storm shelter. That was day one. <laughs> 
in Union yes. City. And we stayed. And we stayed. <laughs> oh, it, oh, my gosh. It got better. Like, within the first three days, we had a tornado. We and had flies. That, and we had ants. And that particular storm we were flooded our garage. That's right. Flooded our All garage. All our boxes were wet. Y'all, I'm not making this up. We were some boils and frogs away from, <laughs> like, Old Testament plagues stuff. We were Egypt. So if we could, if we could say something to pastors' wives and pastors uh, about establishing community, if we could, if we could say something to them, what would you say? Give someone a chance to be your friend. Yeah. Um, there, you know, there are other pastors' wives here in the community that have reached out and loved on me. There's, a, there's an amazing pastor's wife of a um, of a of a pastor you've befriended that's of another denomination who has sought to create um, small groups uh, or a, a pastor's wife's social group to um, for us to get together and ally together and pray together and, and learn together. Um, uh, Rick Warren's wife wrote a book for pastor's wives and, um, you know, just so they could find each other. And so, so there's uh, – Jeremy's trying to wrangle one of our dogs um, – there is um, there's so much that can be said about finding allies. And even if you don't find it in pastors, wives, someone in the same occupation, um, seek to find someone that, give them a chance to be your friend. Um, there's a lot of people that have reached out to be my friend and I've, um, I've approached with enormous caution because I just, it's an, I don't want to get hurt because there's some I have been hurt by. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to sugarcoat that. There have been several relationships that I was like, are you serious? Um, you know, um, and then there, there's that fear of, um, I don't want to cause my family harm. Um, I, I don't want to, like, even having a girls' night, like if I were, like lots of people do those paint parties and, and go, go shopping together and stuff like that, like, I fear even being judged that I'm not tending to my family enough because I'm tending wow. to me. Yeah. Um, so that's like, I even struggle when I go get my hair done. I'm, I feel like I'm gone too long. I may be yeah. viewed as selfish. Hmm. Wow. Um, and that gets back to the expectations that are not only put on us, but that we put on ourselves. Yeah. Um, well, I think if you were to ask the same question to me, what would I tell a pastor out there? I, I would say that, um, you establishing community is not only important for your family, it's essential. Um, that you need individuals around you that know you fully, um, that, that can look you in the eye and say, hey, we need to address something. Right. That can hold you accountable, that you can go to and just go, dude, it's hard right now. Um, and, uh, and who are okay uh, kind of helping to carry the load. Because just like we talked about earlier in the pastor's dilemma, there is a, um, there's a, there's, there are unusual circumstances that you have and you're not equipped to handle them on your own. Right. And God, here, here's, the, here's the thing that, listen, I think we're taught incorrectly as pastors. God never meant for you to carry it alone. Right. Oh, no, he didn't. And you may have pastors go, all I need is Jesus and some coffee, and, and you're full of it. You've got to have 
You've got to have people that can come alongside you and help carry those burdens with I you. I think that goes all the way back to the priesthood, though. They were seen as different. They're the only ones that could go behind the cloth. And I yeah. think people still view you as that, as you're the only one that can um, maintain this. So therefore, I, I just, I always, that's something to think about. Like, how did, who, who loved on the priest? Yeah. Who, oh, who, wow. That's yeah, a great question. Who took care of his heart when it was broken because wow. he knew his congregation was not, yeah. um, you know, that's just something I, that yeah. we'll ask that when we get to heaven. But so, um, so if you're a pastor, if you're a pastor's family, I'm telling you, lead your family in this. Let people in and, and allow, as Jody said, allow people to be your friend. Something yeah. else that, um, you know, definitely in that, like if you have children and you're a pastor's family, um, that is something they need to see. If yes. you can't make friends, yes. they're less likely to yes. make friends. Yes. Um, our kids have been very transparent to say there's pressure. Um, but if we reach out and find ourselves being um, real with people, we're the same people. If we are the same people they see behind our four walls with others, they will be more apt to That's do right. that. And you got oh, to understand yeah. the health of your children yeah. is dependent on that. Yeah. Um, and they will be able to thrive and, and rise up if they can see you developing friendships because they'll be less fearful. Yeah. And if you're a member of a congregation and, and you have a pastor, I, I need you to understand um, the it's not necessarily even pressure that has been put on them by you or the congregation, but they feel mm-hmm. an immense pressure. Um, and they need individuals that know them and are fully known. Yeah. And, and, and you Don't know, give up. Don't give up. Just keep on keeping on and allow your pastor and your pastor's wife to be human beings. Yes. Not human doings. And we have, and we've been in, in, incredibly blessed um, by people that get that. Yeah. We've been incredibly blessed by people that have said, hey, we want to pay for, or hey, we want to offer up, or we want to, we've got this resource we want you to use. Um, and we've been so, so, so blessed by individuals that do that. Hey, let's talk about some things that might be remarkable. Okay. Jody, what's remarkable to you this week? Okay, so um, as many of you know, I'm from Alabama originally, so when they're in the news, I'm always perked up and listening. Um, but how could you not pay attention to what happened recently with the, the tornadoes that devastated Beauregard? Um, and Lee so, County down near Auburn. Yeah, just that in that area. And um, guys, I, I have not gotten my research done because I think they tried to play it anonymous, but um, two major corporations have funded the bill for all of the funerals wow. of um, the people that have um, passed away in Beauregard and in the Lee County area, and I just say that's remarkable. That's remarkable. That is where you have like what wasn't it ten of ten of the deaths came from one family. Yes. I mean, how devastating is that for that family? Just from a financial standpoint, right? Um, gosh, what an amazing blessing that is! Quite remarkable. Yeah. Um, what what that is that is who or what? That was my what. Your what? Who what? was remarkable to you? Okay, so um... <laughs> I hate our dog. You, we have two. I hate this one, the yellow dog, the one that sheds the mini golden doodle. I hate her. She's not a mini golden yeah, doodle, okay, but that's another story, too, for the Powells. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, Lauren. What is she doing? <laughs> She's apparently snorted some cocaine. She's trying oh to get it out. Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay. 
She's um, allergic to her own dander, maybe. <laughs> um, Lauren Daigle. Um, I know that there's been some controversy with things that she said lately, but the Lord has used her lyrics to um, just pour into my heart. And um, she had, uh, I, I've listened to her album over and over again, her second release, um, and um, have truly just been blessed to hear um, how God remembers me and he was seeking to rescue me. And uh, I just thank you, um, Lauren, for um, your beautiful voice and using it to honor our creator and to recognize that he is um he is just there, and he's he's listening, and he's coming with an army to rescue mm. me. That's that's incredible. I know that was super meaningful to you. What is remarkable to you right now, Jeremy? What is remarkable to me is the king cake latte from Higher Ground Coffee Company. <gasps> it's so good. I, I'm not a coffee drink. I drink coffee because I want to stay awake. Yes. Um, and uh, and I've had this slew of coffee meetings uh, that I've had, and here in town. Um, we don't have a, a Starbucks or anything yeah. like that. We have Higher Ground Coffee Company, uh, which is an amazing coffee company. Oh, yeah, and just as good, if not better. Oh, yeah. They do some great stuff. And they do drinks of the month every month. And this month, they have two drinks well, of the month. we're now in March. Month. we got to go check out March. No. So they won't have it anymore. You can ask for it. You can always ask okay. for the drink of the month later. Uh, good, because I was about to be upset. The, the two <laughs> drinks of the month for February were the King Cake Latte and the Salted Caramel. <sighs> Turtle uh, or truffle. Truffle, whatever that it was. That was good. Oh, my gosh. But the king cake latte, um, it probably had, like, more sugar than I needed for the entire day. It's just um, another boost. I'm probably on the fast track to diabetes because of it. <laughs> it was absolutely phenomenal. That's it, that's my, my what is remarkable. So who? Who is remarkable? Who is remarkable would be the Auburn Tigers, uh, Auburn Tiger uh, basketball team. Oh, okay. Not football, ba- basketball. Basketball. We, uh, we're, we're a football school, but our basketball team has been, has been playing well. And uh, we're gearing up for the NCAA tournament. It looks like we're going to make the tournament. And on uh, on Saturday, we played the number five team in the country, the University of Tennessee Volunteers, and uh, and we beat them. So that mean you're going to, to the dance? Well, I think we were probably going to the dance either way. Okay. Did you knock Tennessee out? Uh, no, Tennessee is going to. We may have knocked Tennessee out from having a number one seed. Oh. Um, Tennessee's going to go either way. Uh, but let me just tell you, today at church was fun. <laughs> Were you obnoxious? Because we live in Ten- we live in Tennessee. We do. I was not obnoxious because one of the things that I want to keep as a Tennessee fan is my ally because we all hate Alabama. Oh, thank you. But, Bring that uh, up. Yeah, it's true. But well, we uh, do but, not have a basketball team on the same par as you guys. So, well, no, hey, you guys are probably going to end up making the dance as well. But um, Auburn played incredibly well and um, and outscored uh, outscored Tennessee by ten points in the second half to win by four. And yeah. um, and so just kept just kept kind of battling back. So um, that's my my who is remarkable. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for today. Hey, you can reach us on many different social medias. For instance, like Instagram, you can find me at jgapowell, and I'm Powell Jeremy. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at jeremy.powell.1800. Jody is... Jody.powell.5. You can email us anything you want us to talk about or anything you want to hear. You can get me at jeremy at crosswindchurch.net or... JGAP20, which is my birthday, which is this month, at gmail.com. And this particular podcast was someone someone requested it. So here you go. There you go. So if you you would like, go to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever you're listening to us and give us... like give us five stars because i thought that i could handle someone giving us two stars but i can't um so yeah, give yeah, us five stars that. 
Go get the five stars or uh, or give us a comment. Let I us could know. even take four. Yeah, I'll take four. <laughs> um, and uh, no, I really want five. Uh, so uh, let us know what you think. Uh, rate us, share us. Uh, we we want to get the word out uh, about what God is doing. And uh, I guess that's it. I'll see you next time. Hey, bye bye.